<laughs> Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We praise you. We worship you. We give you the glory. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for bringing about in us the freedom of Christ. Thank you for bringing about in us the manifestation of your love. Thank you for bringing about in us the power of who you are. Thank you, Father, for the good news of the gospel. And not just telling us about it, but manifesting it in our lives. Lord, we praise you. You are worthy of praise. Lord, you didn't have to do any of those things, but you did out of your love for us. And Lord, we just receive your love right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, last week we started talking about winning faith projects. And uh, I said, uh, you know, last week that I wanted to say, you know, winning faith battles. But the truth of the matter is the battle's over. Jesus said it's finished. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. It's just a matter of us, the battle, quote unquote, that we have now is simply learning how to be obedient to what God's told us to do and then just carrying that out. We just learn the right ways and then we do those things. And so really I look at it more as every now and then God gives us projects and he'll give us uh, things that we should apply our faith to. And the more we go to him uh, and the more we get good at that, the more he'll give us and the bigger those projects will be. But here's the thing, a lot of times we haven't been winning those projects, and we know that the will of God is for increase. We did a series on called Increase, and we proved through the Word that God wants you to increase. Uh, you know, just in the parable of the talents, he, he wants you to take the talents that you have, trust Him for things, and allow Him to increase that when you use what's in your hands and, and combine it with faith and patience. And... Uh, so this one, I just picked out this picture for this series here, is win, win again, and win some more. Because God wants you always triumphing, but thanks be unto God, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph, right? So we know that the Lord is never not wanting us to triumph. Now the difference is that our worldly, fleshly ideas of triumph don't always line up with God's ideas of triumph. And we're the ones who need to make sure that our mind is renewed and transformed to the way God thinks, not try to get God to come down and fit in our triumphant box. Uh, that's humility, and, and that's also being uh, the workmanship of God, not God being your workmanship. There, you know, we don't want to reverse that. So a lot of times the Lord will hand us these faith projects that he wants us to be triumphant in. And for you, that could be a number of things. I promise you that right now you're in a faith project whether you know it or not. Uh, sometimes they look they look like all kinds of different things. Uh, it can be growing in your you know patience. It can be growing uh, in the Word. It can be putting on more of the things of God, the things of the Holy Spirit. 
It can be winning in your finances. It can be uh, winning in your health. It can be coming to the place of a restored heart and a restored mind. It can be a number of things, but I guarantee you, you're in one now. Maybe you realize it, maybe you don't, but if you don't realize it, what you're already doing is burying your potential and your uh, talents that God has given you. So we want to always figure out what are these things that God has me working on, and then once we figure out what they are uh, that we're supposed to be working on, what we want to do is win them. You know, we want to increase. We don't want to. We don't want to stop at that place. We want to increase. So how do we do that? And uh, last week I drew out something here on the board, and I think that it really uh, communicated a lot to people. But let's let's uh, take a look at that. And uh, look at, first of all, Hebrews 6.11. This is, uh, you can pull up Hebrews 6.11, but this, well, uh, that's all right. <laughs> we'll go back to the, the cycle in a minute. I'm, I'm confusing you, I apologize. And uh, this verse right here, verse 11 and verse 12 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. And verse 12 so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, in the King James, that, that uh, verse 12 right there says that you will follow those of faith. Okay. In other words, you will follow those that win their faith projects, is what it's basically saying. So you see somebody that is... Uh, talking about winning faith projects a lot, that's a good indicator that they're on the right track. You see somebody that's talking about it and they're actually doing it, that's the kind of person you want to follow. Because what they're doing is following the example of Christ. You don't want to follow people who are always talking about, well, you know, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. You know, that's not, that's not upholding faith at all. That, that's, that's not triumphing. You want to follow the kind of... You remember when they talked about Jesus, they, they said, how does this man have such authority, right? Do you know why I think part of the reason that he had authority was? He had authority because he believed what he was preaching, you know? I see all the time different people that are preaching different things, and I've done this myself as well, but I, I definitely have gotten better at not doing it is I see people all the time preaching something, and what they're preaching, the words are right, but it's not backed up by any the heart. In other words, the truth of who they are, the reality of who they are, it's not backed up by that. In other words, to them, they're preaching, it's the right words, but it's still theory, it's not a reality. And so they're not walking in it, they're not walking it out, they're not seeing the fruit of their faith projects come to pass. And that's something that you want to steer clear of. Why? Because when Jesus preached, he came across with an authority. Why? Because what he said, he lived. He saw. It was not, it was not theory to him. It was reality. I mean, he says it. He talks about life. I am the resurrection of the life. Lazarus, come forth. Right? That's a good place for an amen right there. <laughs> he says, I'm the resurrection, and then he calls Lazarus for it. What? He lived it. He lived it. It's who he was. 
I mean, he's walking down the street one day, and the lady walked up and said, look, if I just touch the hem of his garment, boom, she gets healed. Bam, just like that. He wasn't even doing anything. He just carried it with him. He carried a reality of the life of God with him. That's why, that's why he moved in authority. That's why he's worthy of following. And, you know, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, walk in that kind of reality. Be imitators of those. But here's what happens. A lot of times we'll get into a faith project. God's asking us to believe for healing or believe for whatever it is in our life. I told an example last week about our finances. That's where I really learned this cycle right here. And uh, I walked... You know, he's asking us to do that, and so we get excited. And let me just point this out to you as we're going through it. So this, this line right here is our, our timeline, okay? This is the timeline of our life, and this is the path that God has us on. And so about right here, God will drop in our hearts a faith project. You know, ours that I talked about last week. And if you, if you didn't see last week, you definitely want to go back and watch that. But right here, he'll drop in our hearts like he dropped in my heart. Come free and get your finances in the place of victory. Well, you get all excited about that. Oh, man, I'm going to trust God. You might even stand up in front of people and tell them all about what God told you to do and how you're going to be free in your finances or healing or whatever else, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, you keep on going a little bit. And then there's this little portion right here where you kind of forget what God said. You don't think about this little yellow space. You kind of don't think about the promises as much. You kind of don't focus on it. You don't meditate on the word. You know, back here, he might have given you, let's say it was a promise for finances. Uh, He might might have given you, you know, the Philippians 4 scripture. My God shall supply all my need according to riches, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And you're feeling it. (laughs) You're feeling it. But then you get to this yellow portion. You get to this other portion in the middle of your faith project and uh, you, you hadn't thought about that verse in a while and, and then, you, then it's like, hey, somebody asks you, what you doing on, how's your faith project going? How's getting free in your finances going? You're going, it's, uh, um, uh, yeah, it's going good. You know? But you, it doesn't come from the heart. It doesn't come out of a reality and out of a, out of a practical a reality for you. Why? Because you kind of let down. You kind of stop meditating on it. You stop confessing the word over your life. And, and, and it went from, my God will supply all my need. Oh, glory. And, you know, that's what you're feeling inside. And to All of a sudden you hit this area and you're like, um, yeah, he's meeting all my needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you're trying to convince other people and yourself. Why? Because you've kind of let go of your faith a little bit. And then you hit this spot here where the orange is. And man, the flesh, when you start dropping faith and dropping that, now your flesh starts taking over. And this is what we started out with last week. Have you ever been at that place where you say, Lord, it's just too much. I can't take it. I can't do it anymore. It's just, 
It's too much. You've asked too much. And it gets where you allow the flesh's voice to get so loud, you feel like you're just going to explode if you don't take the easy way out. And so if it's finances, you try to find a loan or whatever the answer is. If it's health, uh, you go give yourself to the doctors instead of giving yourself to God, you know. Not saying that doctors are bad, but it's like you just completely abandon God and go completely after anything that will solve your problem quickly. And so what happens is you get off of the timeline of God, you drop you, ha- you try to have faith this whole time, but you don't apply patience with it. And so you don't receive the promises of God. And for the short period of time, oh, your flesh feels better. For just a short, it doesn't last long. For just a very short period of time, man, your flesh feels better because you just appeased it. You just stroked your flesh, basically, you know, made it feel better. But then right here, now the Holy Spirit speaks to you. In this blue section. And he says. You missed it. You dropped your faith project. And he's not trying to make you feel bad. But the Holy Spirit corrects. Those that he loves. So he's not going to leave you. And not show you what you've, what you've missed. Because he wants you to not miss it again. So the Holy Spirit will convict you, and and that's a loving conviction, but it is telling you that you were wrong. I mean, you realize that God can love on you by telling you that you're wrong, right? Hey, you missed it. That sounds better, doesn't it? Instead of saying, no, you're wrong, we'll just say you missed it, okay? Uh, And there's the conviction, and then about that time, oh my goodness, does the devil jump all over you with condemnation. This is not love. This is, I mean, plain out pressure, condemnation for what? Dropping the faith project. Isn't it funny that the devil likes to play two sides of this thing? He likes to push you and push your flesh out of the faith project and then blame you and put all the weight on you when you do. He's, he's just a jerk. You know, he's just, that's just who he is. He, he's just a jerk. And then, man, a lot of times people hit this condemnation and, and you don't even see them at church for a while because they're so beat up. <laughs> I mean, they're just, it's like you just, they don't want to show their face. But I told everybody I was going to get out of my finances and I let go of faith in God and I don't even want to show my face. And that, that's the last thing they actually need to do. They need the encouragement. They need the strength of the body to speak into them for the faith to rise up. But that condemnation, you know, when you don't know what it is and you don't know how to deal with it, it makes people do funny things. It makes them do the exact opposite of what they actually need. But then here in this other blue section on the left, what happens is the Holy Spirit starts to really correct. He's been there the whole time, but see, we've been listening to the voice of condemnation over him, and so we've been not even thinking about us being the righteousness of God in Christ, and much less have we been thinking about going to the throne of grace and receiving some help. What we've been doing is thinking about how bad we messed up because the devil's been pushing it. But eventually... We get tired of doing that, <laughs> and uh, we actually will start to listen to the, I need help. And, and you know what that, that point is really right here is, is humility. You know, when we finally go, God, I, 
I can't do this without you. You know, and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, I know, I know. I've known that the whole time. I'm glad that you do now because now I can give you grace. And so grace comes in, starts healing you, restoring you, and brings you right back around to the same faith project. Because God wants you to accomplish what he asked you to do in the first place. And so the thing is, now I'm, I'm going to exit out and, and we're not going to do this like we normally have done. But the truth of the matter is, we pretty much repeat that cycle about 20 times before we win the first one. And then we'll go back and the next one will repeat it about 19 times. And then the next one, you know, maybe 15 or 25. But eventually we figure out that the devil's going to keep hitting the same flesh button inside of us until we break out of that pattern and travel on down the road that God has for us. But this cycle, it's a trap. We're never supposed to start circling. We're supposed to constantly be advancing in Christ. We're supposed to win these faith projects. And then what happens is, so in other words, if you can see this uh, cycle again, we're never supposed to enter into this portion of it. It's all supposed to be on this line. And all we do is this faith project that God's given us, they just, he can give us more and he can give us bigger ones that we can advance the kingdom of God because we know how to win them. That's the plan that God has for us. And we have that available to us all the time. It's always been in your hands from the moment you accepted Christ. But a lot of times we don't know the spiritual aspects of this. We don't know, you know how the devil plays into this and how our flesh plays in. And so we just keep circling. We keep going around the same mountains. And the triggers at the end are, I can't do this. This is too much. It's just too much. Lord, you've asked too much. The Lord hadn't asked too much. You believe the negative. The Lord, Lord says you won't be in a place where I'm not faithful. You won't be in a place that you can't win. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you won't be in a place. But you will find the way through. And if you don't, you'll find the way of escape. You won't be tempted beyond what you're able so if you're hitting that place where, I mean, your flesh is coming on you and saying, it's too much, I can't take it. What's happening is the devil's trying to tell you that God's word isn't true. He's trying to make you feel like you are tempted beyond what you're able. But that's not true. It's not true at all. Matter of fact, the more you feel that, the more it ought to energize Christ in you. Now, one of the reasons, if we'll put that cycle back up there, one of the reasons that we get to that orange spot, get to the flesh, and we exit the plan of God and start circling and not completing our faith project, one of the reasons that we do that is we feel like we deserve something else. I wrote this, one of the worst places you can be as, a, as anybody, a Christian or non-believer is, 
when you are deceived or you have been thinking that you have a right to what the flesh is promoting. When you are deceived, or you're thinking that you have a right to whatever the flesh has been promoting. So the flesh will say, that's too much. And you start believing, yeah, that is too much. That's one of the worst places you can be at. Or you, you think or have been deceived that the flesh has been yelling, what he's been yelling at you is being stolen from you. In other words, you're taking too much of my time, Lord. I can't do this. I don't have time to pray for this five hours a day, Lord. Right? And why would you say that? If the Lord literally told you to pray for five hours a day, which in most cases, my experience is, he doesn't. But that's the kind of stuff that your flesh will yell at you and, and you'll start exaggerating things. You know, you're like, what do you want me to do? Pray all the time? Like, pray without ceasing? Yeah. Pretty much, yes. And I can't do that. I have to work. Well, you're missing the whole point. You see, all of a sudden, you're, you're trying to connect the flesh and the spirit and make them all work together when your priority needs to be the spiritual things of God. You take care of the spiritual things of God and all that stuff will be added to you. You're trying to figure this thing out and logic it and get in the details. And, and whose business is that? That's, that's the logic, deceiving, devil side of the details. That's the flesh's side, not the spirit. The flesh and the spirit, they always war. Jesus said it so simply. Seek me first and the kingdom and my righteousness of God. And all that stuff will be added to you. He just made it real simple. But the flesh, man, it'll just start yelling all these things. It's stealing your time. It's stealing your comfort. You know, well, I don't want to get up on Saturday and go witnessing to anybody. Because then, you know, then I won't have any of my free time. And so all of a sudden you feel like your free, your free time is being stolen. Not realizing that you'll have more free time if you go do that. God will start opening up doors. Right. See, what you're doing is you're trusting your calendar more than you're trusting God. Let me say this. One of the worst places is when you are deceived or have been thinking that you have a right to what the flesh is promoting or you have a right to what the flesh has been yelling is being stolen from you. And when the flesh feels like something's being stolen from it, it's like a temper tantrum-throwing kid, and it will get so, so loud, so loud. And it'll start yelling. You're taking away my free time. You're taking away my money. You're taking away this. You're taking away that. And when you start believing that, let me, let me even back up before that. When you start listening to that, you're already on the way to circling that mountain again. You're already breaking out of the will of God by listening and giving an ear to that. And all of a sudden, you're already well on your way to start circling and having to go through the whole thing all over again. And our job as believers is not to waste time, but, but to be productive 
to have the fruit of God in the best and most efficient and most productive we can for the kingdom. That means we got to learn how to cut down on the time it takes us to accomplish uh, faith projects. we got to cut down the flesh moments. we got to cut down the cycles before we win so that we can grab a hold of these faith projects and we can increase in our ability to handle them in a timely manner. We can increase in the size of them. You know, we got some things to do for the kingdom right here in this county. And, and listen, there, let's just, just talk finances for a second. All right? Don't want to scare anybody, but let's just talk finances. What could happen if we learned how to win faith projects and finances and every single one of us knew how to believe God for some large amounts of money? What could happen, I mean, you know, if we got 50 people that knew how to draw in by faith $50,000? Is that not doable? Oh, it's absolutely doable. That's nothing to God. But the, the problem is we don't have people that know how to believe and do that. What if we did? What if we had 50 people that knew how to lay hands on the sick and see them healed instantly? What would happen to the kingdom in this county? Yeah. You see, these are the things we've been circling the mountain listening to our flesh when this was the potential, this was the capabilities that we've had in our hands the whole time. And we've been backing up making excuses because you're still in my time. You're still in my money, Lord. You're taking it away listening to the flesh. Of course, he's not doing that. He's trying to give you more. But, but we've been making excuses for the flesh. This, this is interesting um, because I, I heard, you know, I heard recently somebody say, well, it's just too much. It's just, you know, you just, you, you go to church, you, you just go to church too much. You know, it's just too long. It's, that's, it's just too long. It's too much, right? Now, here's the question. Um, science, Okay. Um, gravity works like this. Gravity is pulling me down on the earth, right? But for me to stand here in one place, you got one force pulling me down, but there has to be a second force. And in other words, this, you know, terra firma here is, this ground is an equal and opposite force pushing in the other direction so that I can stand still. If it wasn't pushing back, then gravity would just keep sinking me into the ground. You see? And if it was pushing back with too much force, I would start lifting up. Right? But in order for me to stand still, there's got to be two forces equal and opposite for me to stand in that one place. So what we've got is, let me ask you this, if someone starts to float off the earth, has the fourth force of the earth pushing up changed and started to become greater? Or has the weight that has held them down to their foundations started to become less? Either one would work. But see, a lot of times what we're doing is we're looking at God and saying, and this is right here in this flesh portion, we're saying, God, it's too much. But what's actually happened is our hunger for God has gotten less. 
Because God never offers you or allows you to be in a place where the temptation is greater than what you can have. And if the Lord is asking you, it's not God who's wrong asking. It's you whose force is not standing st staying steady. So I ask this, has God asked you to do too much or has your hunger for his ways been too short? Yeah. Let me, let me ask that again. Has God asked you to do too much? Or has your hunger for his ways been too short? See, our ways as a whole society has been too short. That's obvious by what society's going through right now. But see, we're getting our norms based off of what everybody else thinks. Not what the word says. The word says, be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm. In other words, I ought to be giving my everything to God and not even looking for any options, not even looking for any reasons not to. But as it stands, the norm is, let's figure out what's wrong with what God is asking us. And what we're doing is we're following the traditions of corruption instead of following the traditions of holiness. These are really important things to winning faith projects because now you start to understand why and how we break off of the plan of God. We start listening to the flesh more than we've listened to God. Recently, it's interesting because over the last couple of years, I've been thinking some about um, you know, the fact that the Bible is an Eastern book. It's an Eastern document. We live in a Western world. And there's got to be some differences in culture and society. And so recently I was able to talk with somebody that came from a more Eastern society. And, and the way of the thinking in the Eastern uh, continents versus the Western continents is different. It's a different way of thinking. And uh, I was able to ask some questions, and it just really blessed me because I've had certain things that the Holy Spirit's been kind of just writing on my heart, and man, it's been really blessing me. And uh, what I found out when I asked this question was his answers to me showed exactly what the Holy Spirit had been saying to me. And this is, this is what I, I asked was, how's it different? What's the difference, in your opinion, who's, who's spent time in both an Eastern culture and a Western culture? What's the difference? What's the difference to you? And, and they gave me two examples. And one was this. They said, in an Eastern culture, they, the Eastern culture Christians today, most of them, they go to church every day. They wake up, he said, literally in the country that he was in. They get up, and I'm not, don't, don't anybody flip out right now. I'm not going to say boomerang, start doing daily you know, services. But I might. Yep. But, and would it be wrong if I did? Nope. No. But here's what they said. They said every day they get up and have a service at, at 6 a.m. so that it helps them go through their day. And on Saturday, they get ready for their Sunday service. And Sunday service is an all-day service. Now, I don't believe that we have to go do it like that today, especially in America. I don't believe that we have to. But listen, I'm not opposed to God telling me to do it that way. Because if I was opposed to it, I'm already setting myself against what he may ask me to do. In other words, if I'm really sold out to God and he asks that, that's not going to bother me. 
but you just mentioned this in an American church, and they're like, you know, growl, you know, and but yeah, it's a they don't they don't want to think about this. But here's the other thing. This is even bigger. What he said. He said the American uh, church looks at things like this. This is their life, this circle here, and you got all these different sections of their life, like pie, pieces of the pie, and this is church, and this is uh, their job, and this is school, and, you know, go on, this one's family, one's fun, and all these different pieces of the pie that makes up their life. This is the way the Western world looks at it, and church is just one section of the pie. Okay? This is what an Eastern society does. They have all the different sections of their life, but then they, they back up and they view their whole life through the eyes of God. Their life is viewed through religion, not as a portion. Religion is not just a portion of their life, their whole life is viewed through that, through their beliefs, through God. See, this is what we've got wrong. We've tried to segregate everything in our life and put it all in place. And so all of a sudden when we get over here to our fun little piece of the pie, we don't want God to be over in this. This is my section of the pie, God. Thank you very much. This is my free time. I, have to, I deserve this. I've earned this section of the pie. Well, that contradicts everything there is in the Word. It contradicts it all. But when you start to back up and see, all right, I look at everything in my life through the eyes of God. Lord, everything I have is yours. And everything that you have is mine. That's why it touches every piece of my life, including my fun. See, when we back up and we look at it like that, what we actually do is we give uh, God the ability to reach into every section of our life and play a part. We give him the ability to play a part. And let me tell you something. He is more concerned about your joy than you are. He likes it when you have fun. He likes it when you win. You'll have more fun and more joy by giving your whole life to God than you will by keeping Him out of it. Our faith projects so many times are at the place where our flesh starts yelling at us because our focus on God is off. We, we start thinking that God really isn't concerned about every area of our life. We'll say that in public. We'll say it on Sunday morning. But when it comes down to actually giving him that section of our life, we're like, I'm not going to ask him. He might tell me no. And I want to do it. I'm not even about to ask God if he wants me to do it or not because he might say no. I can, I can tell you a story that just happened that cost me, cost me dearly. And it's all because I wanted to do something. It wasn't huge. Y'all might laugh at it, but it was, it was something I wanted to do, and I didn't want to ask God about it. And I went and did it anyway without asking him, and it cost me. And it was painful. 
And I asked the Lord, what is going on? Why is this? He said, because you offended your own conscience and didn't even trust me to ask me whether or not to do this. That, that's what happens, and we end up going around a mountain that we were never designed to go around. We end up losing those faith projects simply because we're not willing to really fully trust God in every area of our life. Look at, look at um, in Judges 6 uh, through 8. You don't have to turn there. You don't have to pull up scriptures, but I'm just wanting to give you the reference. Here's Gideon. The Midianites, I believe it is, are coming against him. They're 135,000 strong. God speaks to Gideon. Now look at this cycle. Gideon's going down his life. You know, and he's not like the most faithful man to begin with. I mean, he's hiding and hiding out and, you know, trying to hide from God. But God finds him. Uh, yeah, you know, God's amazing like that. And uh, he says, he gives them this project. I want you to whip the Midianites. Lord, there are 135,000. I got 32,000. This is not going to be fun. God said, hey, I'm with you. You'll be all right. So somehow, God talks, well, he puts out several fleeces and everything, but God talks Gideon into saying, okay, I'll take on this faith project, right? Maybe you've had one that feels like that before. And in this moment, you know, he's like, okay, and then, you know, he gets up here, and, and all of a sudden, God asks Gideon, he's like, you got too many men. I don't know about you, but I know it, me, in that particular situation, I'd be like, Lord, have you lost your mind? You know, we got 32 to begin with. They got 135,000. You want me to cut it down? Yeah. Ask whoever wants to go home, I think was the question. Yeah. So I think there's like 20 or 22,000. I think it was 22,000. Go home right then. Now we got 10,000 versus 135,000. God says, it's too many. Lord, is this a faith project or a suicide project? Which one are you trying to, I mean, really? And you know what? That's the way your flesh talks to you. You've got to get real with this. That's the way your flesh talks to you. What are you trying to do to me, Lord? You're trying to kill me? I remember in the, one of the financial faith projects that we had, you know, people thought we were nuts, thought we were crazy. I'm like, what are you trying to do? You trying to bankrupt us? What kind? And I remember thinking, what kind of testimony is that going to be? Local man of God goes to nothing because God told him to. Headlines. Well, and that was a real reality in the flesh. Says God told him to do this. Now he's got nothing living in a tent in the woods with his little babies. Because that's how old they were. You got to decide, do you really believe God or not? You got to decide that. This is being all in with God. What kind of man are you going to be? What kind of woman for God are you going to be? 
This doesn't mean that you should just go out there and go, you know, just crazy and try to come up with all kinds of stuff. You're not supposed to tempt God either. But when God speaks to you, and then especially you have the ability to have a shepherd that can help say, hey, that's God. Hey, that ain't God. You know, you've got somebody that will help you and has had experience doing that and can show you in the Word how this is God and this isn't God. And now you know that it's God and it sounds crazy. Who cares? God's way out of most people's minds anyway. You might as well let them out of yours and let them show you some stuff. And He will. And you have to decide. All right, Lord, I know you love me enough to not kill me. I know you love me enough to not completely bankrupt me and make a horrible testimony of me. I know that about you. I know your goodness enough. All right, then when my flesh starts yelling and screaming, I've got to decide, do I really trust you? Here's Gideon. All right, 32,000, too many. 10,000, too many. Takes them down to 300 men. Do you know, look, you're complaining about the headache that you got Gideon's got 300 men against 135,000 you want to take a guess at the scale of what Gideon's flesh was yelling at him you imagine that he had the support of all the Israelites (laughs) or do you think he might have had some people telling him he had lost his mind Sure. Do you think they were like, man, that's way to go, Gideon. That's some good faith right there. You got this. Yes. I'm behind you. They may call you crazy. I'm behind you the whole way. You think people are like lining up to do that? Good job. I'm support- I'm, I'll agree with you in faith. Yes, sir, I believe in what you're doing. No, that ain't what people were doing. I can promise you. Same yesterday. And today, devil, there's nothing new under the sun. The people, the hearts of people is the same then as it is now. It's way out of their mind, out of their thinking. That's why God didn't call them. He's calling you. The question is, are you going to let your thinking come out of the box enough to realize God can do something with you? You know his flesh was yelling. You know it was. His flesh was telling him it's too much. You've asked too much of me, God. I can't do this. I would say God's response is, yeah, you can't. But I can. So trust me. God shows them wisdom. They beat 135,000 with 300. Same thing can happen in your life. When you hear the voice of God, you know it's him. You know it's his will. He's given you a promise in his word. The only thing that's going to avoid that promise is you. God's not going to avoid it. If he gave you a promise, he he called himself your healer. He called you above and not beneath. The head and not the tail. Bless going out. Bless coming in. That's what he called you. He said, I'm the life giver. I'm the restorer 
of your soul. I'm your Savior. I'll save you in every area of life. I will save you. It's who He is. It's who He is. You've got to decide to believe that and desire the things of God over all the things that your flesh is telling you, over all the things a corrupted world will tell you and say, I'll choose God and I ain't going around this mountain again. We're going to win this project right here. And I'm willing to take it to the death if necessary. But I'm believing God. I mean, even if it did take you to death, I mean, what's what you going to end up doing? Going to see Jesus? <laughs> oh, that's not too bad. The world's scared of it, but we don't have to be. Yeah, we got hope. That's the worst thing they can do is send you to see Jesus. You're doing pretty good. But you see, man, that stuff gets really loud when you're in the middle of it. Man, that flesh gets really loud. You have to decide who you're going to believe. Jesus is in the garden in Mark 14 and then Luke 22. What was the flesh of Jesus saying to him? Was it yelling? He said, I ain't going around this mountain again. I'll see this through even if it costs me. What did his faith project do when he decided to listen to the command of God over the will of his flesh? It brought him back to life. He walked and operated in a faith that went beyond his problem and started solving all of mankind's. He was the firstborn of many brethren. God will ask you to do something. He's not going to put too much on you. I mean, it's, you know, most of you, he's not going to ask you tonight when you get home, will you go and be crucified for me? He's not going to do that. But he will ask you the next time you have a financial issue to trust me and stop going to your crutch. Right. He will ask you the next time you got a sickness in your body, will you ask me for healing and stand for it instead of going right to the medicine cabinet? And trust in the medicine more than me. He will ask you to start standing up for his promises. And when you apply faith and patience to his promises. We will inherit those things. Lord we just praise you. And we thank you. Lord thank you for opportunity. Just to walk out. Some of the goals of the kingdom of God. Lord, thanks that we get to participate in the projects that heaven has deemed necessary to advance the will of our Father. Lord, thank you that we get to be your partner in this plan. Lord, we're, we're tired of going around the same mounts. We're done with not completing faith projects, with, with burying our talents in the sand, with burying our potential of doing all things through Christ because our flesh scream louder than our will. We're done with it. Lord, we put our decisions now. We put our decisions on the things of your heart. And we will win these faith projects because we won't give up. 
will take those decisions all the way that they need to go. And when our flesh is yelling and our flesh is screaming, we'll just go back to your promises. And we'll make those louder in our lives than our flesh is. And we'll accept the truth of who you are rather than the lie of a corrupted flesh. And Lord, we won't go around the mountain, but we will break out and become the testimony that you wanted us to become. Help others to break out of their uh, faith projects. Move on to bigger and bigger things for the kingdom. And become who you've called us to be. Lord right now I ask that those projects. That they would see them in their lives. They would see how the flesh is yelling and screaming. But they would see how your word and your promises are louder, stronger, and more powerful. And will stand when the flesh stops yelling. And we thank you for it. And we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a good night.